Men, if you call every man your home for getting in, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going, then we have a special ask for you. We need men like you to stand in the gap with us as we take back territory for God's kingdom with our new giving campaign. We're calling it the 12 for 12 giving campaign. And all it takes is $12 a month for 12 months. Now your commitment and donation will help us reach our 20 city goal with our Dangerous Good Conference in 2021. And we can't do this without your support. Now, if you haven't noticed, every man is on the move and we've been able to build an army of strong men that are choosing Jesus over the world. You know why? That's because of people like you that help our ministry thrive, especially in these difficult times. So will you join us and commit to donating $12 for 12 months? Every dollar equals change, not only in the men, but also change for the women, children, and communities connected to these men. Thank you in advance for your support and God bless. Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, you're gonna to wanna to hold a spot in Psalm 23 because we're gonna be looking at that. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We're gonna put uh, the verses on the screen. We are in part five of a powerful series called Resolve. And we're acknowledging one big thing in this, this series. And that is, is that in life, as life unfolds, waiting is a huge part of life. Waiting for a transition, waiting for something to happen, waiting for someone to change, waiting for some victory, waiting for some event to unfold so that we can transition to the next destination. And a lot of times when we're waiting, we have to live the life that God's calling us to live versus the life we envision living after a transition. And so in this series, we're resolving to live that life, the life that God calls us to live while we wait on him, a life that seeks to trust him in the wait, a life that resolves to obey him in the wait, uh, to live a life uh, and resolve to glorify God while we wait on him to unfold the next chapter of our lives. And so uh, in this series, we've been studying men in the Bible who have had to wait, just like us. In part one, we studied Daniel uh, and how he had a huge wait in Babylon. In part two, we studied David in that season of life where he went from the palace to being a fugitive. And those that fugitive season where he had to wait on God to fulfill his promise to be king, we looked at Joseph and how he was thrown into slavery. He had to wait 13 years for a dream he had to come true. We looked at the Apostle Paul, who, because of a bad decision, uh, had to learn a hard lesson. And he put himself into a waiting period in a jail cell. But boy, did he wait well, and did he ever rebound. And in part five, we're going to look at Jesus and how when Jesus was alive and walking the earth, he had to work with God in the waiting seasons of his life. And in fact, right now, Jesus is in a waiting season, and we're going to talk about that. So as we've done in parts one through four, we're just going to get God's mind on waiting and the in-between times, and then we're going to highlight a core theme 
uh, about waiting that we can apply and think about. And then we're going to observe, in part five, we're going to observe Jesus. And we're going to see how his rhythm uh, before certain things unfolded is our model to follow. And then we're going to apply some lessons that we see to our lives. Now, I want to start our study by just getting God's mind on waiting. And there's a picture in the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of the shepherd and the sheep. And that rhythm of the shepherd moving and then stopping, and whether the, the, the herd of sheep that he's taking care of are moving or stopping, there is a necessary and purpose-filled connection between the sheep and the shepherd. Now, biblically, uh, we're identified as the sheep and we're purposefully connected to the shepherd whether he is moving us along or whether we are stopping and waiting. Now, let's just talk about sheep for a second, all right? Most domesticated animals, if you threw them out into the wild, okay, at least they'd have a fighting chance to survive. I mean, they could defend themselves. Um, They do have teeth. They do use them. They would fight if a predator tried to uh, attack them. Sheep cannot be returned to the wild. In fact, if you put a sheep in the wild, it's feeding uh, nature a snack. Uh, Sheep are hopeless without a shepherd. Uh, And the reason I share that is because there's a necessary connection uh, of the sheep to the shepherd. It's not like they can choose not to be connected to him. And that's the way the Bible Uh, portrays God and those who follow God. That's the way Jesus uh, portrayed himself, the good shepherd, and we are the sheep who know and need uh, his voice. Um, So we're going to look at Psalm 23 because in Psalm 23, we get a picture of just the shepherd, his connection to the sheep, and this whole thing of, of, of stopping and what happens when the shepherd stops the sheep and how the sheep have to connect to the shepherd. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake sake. Very familiar passage of scripture, but you know, there's a lot in there that you may not know about. In particular, that for a sheep or a group of sheep to lie down, there's four things that a shepherd has to do, right? The first thing is there can be no friction with other sheep. In order to get them just to lie down, which they spend 15 to 20% of their existence doing, There can't be friction with other sheep. Secondly, uh, sheep can't be in a mode of fear. So a shepherd will clear the area of little varmints or little jackrabbits or little things because they're spooked so easily, right? Kind of seeing this whole shepherd-sheep relationship. Uh, before, uh, Before a sheep can lie down and be comfortable with it, 
uh, no pests. I don't know if you knew this, but you know there are lots of insects and stuff like that that can plant themselves on a sheep's body in their noses, kind of gross. Uh, but it can it can get into their system, affect their brain, um, and they can become uh, unruly and disoriented and confused and can even smash themselves into uh, trees and kill themselves. Uh, and then lastly, I didn't know this, but you know sheep have to be satisfied. They have to they can't be real hungry before they're made to lie down. And so what I want to do with that context is unpack. Psalm 23 verses one through three, and just kind of glean some, some things about how as sheep, uh, we should be thinking. And the first thing is we gotta remember, uh, I have to remember, I am not wanting, all right? The Lord is my shepherd. The Bible says, I lack nothing. So when I'm connected to Jesus, uh, the good shepherd, my supply is there. Why don't you say that with me? My supply is there, you know? But sheep need to be connected to the shepherd to know that their supply is there. The problem is, for human beings, human sheep, is that when we forget that, we start living out of what we lack. For example, if we feel we lack affection, affirmation, and love, even when we have God's love, we will live out of what we lack, and we will seek unhealthy forms of intimacy just to get that feeling, even if for a little while, that we're affirmed and we're getting attention paid to us and we're loved. Secondly, we got to remember that we control nothing. All right? The Bible says, he makes me lie down. Remember that necessary connection of sheep to shepherd? They have to have it. And the shepherd in his wisdom and care for the sheep, makes them lie down. Now, we talked about all the things the shepherd does just to get the sheep to lie down. But this is where a lot of us, because of our circumstances, we're being forced to stop. We're being forced to stop our plan because the shepherd has a different plan. There is a delay there is a pause, there is a wait. And we don't control it. We, don't, we didn't control when it began, we're not gonna control when it ends. And we have to see, because we're sheep, necessarily connected to the shepherd, that he's making us lie down. He's making us pause, he's making us wait. And he's sovereign and in control, and we control nothing hard thing for a lot of us independent, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, resourceful, successful, professional guys who are used to getting what they want done, when they want it done, and how they want it done. I know I'm talking to a lot of you guys right now. You're not living in a space of your own creation. In fact, you're in a space that feels outside of your control, but can I just tell you, the shepherd is with you and this is one of those moments where he's kind of making you press the pause button on your plan so that you can reconnect with him. He's making you lie down. And in this place where he's making you lie down, it may not feel like a place that will supply you, but the Bible says when he makes you lie down, it's a green pasture. You know, when shepherds stop their sheep, you know, there's 
they're a lot of times in arid regions or they're in hills and valleys, but he sees that this is the place where they can eat the grass that has the dew on the grass, that has the water that a sheep needs. 70% of their body is water if you're a sheep. And so remember I'm not wanting, remember I control nothing. Third, remember I need refreshing, okay? Remember what I said about a sheep uh, needing to feel satisfied before it can be lied down? And that's what these pauses do. They provide moments for just God to refresh us, refresh our relationship with him, uh, refresh our conversation with him, uh, refresh our relationships, maybe with some people that if we went ahead with our plan in the wait, we can refresh some of those relationships. Just think 2020 and the major pause that a pandemic put on us. One of the silver linings of that was that people started connecting Dads started connecting with their kids. Husbands started connecting with their wives. There was this pause, and God used that to refresh us. So we need refreshing. Sometimes it's just, I need quiet versus noise. And you know, in this digital dilemma age that we're living in, of way too much information for a human brain to process and an endless queue of digital images, digital conversations, digital content coming at us, let me just say that we all need that quiet to find God. And we need to eliminate the noise. And that's what God does when he pauses. He's a good shepherd, all right? So when we're paused, when we're waiting, we're not wanting. When we're waiting, we control nothing. When we're waiting, oh man, we need some refreshing. And then fourth, we gotta remember that we require guiding. You know, that relationship, sheep to shepherd, really important. That's him and that's us. And that is the picture that God wants us to really internalize. We are not independent, autonomous creatures. We are hopeless without our shepherd and we need guiding. And some of you right now, you're not in the place where you thought you would be. And that's because God paused your life and you're in a waiting period, waiting for something to happen. And God wants to provide you with some guidance. And if you look at what the scripture says here in Psalm 23, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So it's for his sake and his purposes and plans and intentions for your life that he has you in this waiting time and he wants that, that intentional, all the time connection with him to kind of activate so that he can guide you. you know? In fact, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the one who guides us into all truth. And so Psalm 23 really kind of presents this picture of when the sheep are paused, they're not moving, they're stopping. And whether they're moving or stopping, they have a necessary connection with the shepherd and he creates a context, all right, for them to stop and wait and realize that he is their supply, he is in control, he is their refresher, he is their guide. What is God saying to us, men, this morning, right? He is your supply. He is in control. 
He wants to refresh you, maybe in some ways that you didn't even know you needed refreshing. And as sheep, you require guiding. I, if you're like me, a lot of times I run ahead of the Lord versus keep in step of the Lord. And I'm glad that he pauses my life. I'm, I'm glad in hindsight, of course, that he guides me along the right path. So let's uh, look at a core theme of waiting again, as we've done in the first four sessions. Waiting well involves resting instead of worrying. The shepherd makes the sheep rest, and he takes away their concerns, and he satisfies them, and he lets them know he's there to protect and to provide and to eliminate fear just through his very presence. And the sheep know that, um, that he's going to supply a refreshment. He's going to lead them. He's going to give them quiet versus noise. And he's going to guide them along the right path. So waiting right now involves resting instead of worrying. Now, we've learned through parts one through four that that doesn't mean you sit on your thumbs. It doesn't mean you... Uh, don't get up and show up, and it doesn't mean you stop trusting, obeying, and seeking God. Rest is not just a physical thing. In the Bible, it is an internal, an emotional, and inward thing while we're waiting for life to unfold. Let me ask you a question. Are you at rest in God in the midst of your challenges? You see, real peace and rest doesn't come from the absence of adversity or the absence of challenge. Real peace is felt in the midst of change and challenge. And that's the peace that God wants us to have in our rest. Look at the Bible in Psalm 46.10. One of my favorite verses, and it goes to one of the major purposes when God has you in his waiting room, uh, it says, Psalm 46, 10, cease striving and know that I am God. You know, we, we strive, we work, we're restless, we show up, we make calls, we drive, we move, we transition, we do a bunch of things just like there's one thing right after another, and we're doing it pridefully and self-sufficiently versus humbly, restfully, and God-dependently. And there's a huge difference between the two. God's saying, hey, cease striving. And know, as you're in this waiting time, as maybe something's not unfolding on your time table, that you're not wanting, that I'm in control, I'm bigger. And I wanna refresh you, your perspective during this time. And uh, you require some some guidance, all right? So that's what God's saying. There's some good core thinking about what we're going to resolve to do. We're going to resolve to remember those things. Now, let's look at Jesus um, and look and see how Father, Son, and Spirit are getting it done. And I put in the notes, if you printed them out, on time, right? Because that's really uh, the, the challenge of waiting, there's our time and there's God's time. Well, even Jesus uh, had to let his earthly life unfold on God's timing. And so we're going to look at some, some things that Jesus did. And the first thing that G we see Jesus doing is Jesus waited confidently for God's timing. 
All right. Now, that's that's where we all want to be. We wanna we wanna wait confidently, right? Where we're assured that God is with us and God's at work. And when God chooses, uh, the next chapter is going to unfold. Now, I want to look at a couple scriptures just to kind of give you the chronological look at Jesus. Okay, so he's born, Luke chapter 1. Everybody knows that. That's why we celebrate Christmas. The, the big announcements, the shepherds in the field tending their sheep, you know, glory to God in the highest. You know, Emmanuel comes. All right, we all know that. The next place we see Jesus in between birth and those intervening years is when he's 12. In Luke chapter 2, verses 40 and 41, we see this. There, the child grew up healthy and strong, okay, physically. He was filled with wisdom. There's intellectual growth. And God's favor was on him. There's the spiritual growth. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. So we have Jesus' birth, and then we have, have him at 12. He had wisdom the wisdom of God. He had a strong mind. He had the presence of God. And you know what God's plan was for that season of his life while he was waiting for his ultimate purpose to unfold? It was to be a son, a brother, a family member, and uh, a Jew. And that was where he grew up and to, and to do some carpentry with his dad. Uh, sometimes God's plan, the most spiritual plan, uh, God's God has for us sort of looks like that. Be a good son. Be a good brother, right? Be a good husband. Um, do family. Uh, do things together. Um, now, here's a really interesting factoid. So there he is at 12. The next time we see him, all right, emerge. So there's 0 to 12. Then we see him at 12. Then there's 12 and then he goes off the radar for 18 years. And then we see him again at 30 when he begins his public ministry. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 3, 23, uh, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Um, so here is the moment of transition. But who's Jesus? Jesus is just a part of a family. Jesus has been waiting his whole life. Jesus knew black when he was a young pre-teenager. He would go to the synagogue and he would, he would school the most religious guys on the planet. All right? Imagine that. You're marrying Joseph, watching your son. He was ready. He was smarter than But guess what? Did he have the goods? 100%. Did he have to wait? 100%. There was a timing that Jesus was waiting for. And we see that moment. In Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 16 to 21, this is the green light. I mean, we got birth, we got 12, then he's 30, and now he's, he's given the green light. Let's read about that moment. Uh, it says this in Luke chapter 4, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, quote, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight 
for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, at that moment of his green light, when the wait was over and the transition happened, and he went to synagogue, on that day, it just so happened, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. The scroll of Isaiah, chapter 61, talks about the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And quoting Isaiah 61, right, the person who is speaking this passage is the person who is being talked about, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, and the Messiah would, would fix the five problems of sin. Sin impoverishes people. So, so Jesus, the Messiah, is going to preach the gospel to the poor. Sin breaks hearts, right? Sin uh, holds people captive. He's going to set them free. Sin blinds. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. And sin oppresses and he's gonna set them free. And here Jesus is in his green light moment. It's a moment of transition, a moment of separation, a moment of individuation from being a son and a brother and uh, a family member and doing the things that, that a son, a brother, and a, um, a, a family guy would do. Here we go. And so Jesus waited confidently in God for that moment. Can I just say that God knows what he's doing. God's timing is perfect. Um, while it may seem long to you, it's not long to God. And we need to be like Jesus. We need to go, you know what? When God gives the thumbs up, um, it's going to go, and it's going to go fast. What was great about the scripture is that the people were amazed and fastened on him because the voice of God was voicing the prophecy of God in their presence. No wonder they were fixed on him. And in that moment when everybody's attention was magnetized on him, he declared himself to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And he began his public ministry. So Jesus lives inside of us. What does he want us to do while we wait? We're going to wait confidently on God's timing. That's how you pray. You say, God, I trust your timing, All right? Might not be my timing, but I'm trusting your timing. And while I'm waiting for you, I'm going to do the things that are on my plate. I'm going to be the man where you've placed me. I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a son. I'm going to be a brother. All right? I'm going to live in the country that I, that I live in. And uh, I'm going to work in the job that I have until you say it's timing. But show me when it's time. Secondly, Jesus de waited dependently on God's modeling. This is an interesting uh, facet of how Jesus moved. So Jesus' public ministry begins... But then you see this kind of waiting on, hey, God, I'm checking in. I'm seeing you. Is this what we, what we want to do? Great. And then he goes and does it. He talks about this in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. Listen to this. Uh, Jesus gave them, the disciples, this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So do you see the connection? Father, son, and the exchange of spirit going on here? It's like, 
well, what's the father doing, right? What does he want me to do? I'm gonna do that. And it, it flows out of who God is. God is a God of love. So what you see Jesus doing, he's, he's loving people. God is a God of justice. He gives what is due. So if compassion is due, Jesus gives compassion. If correction is due, Jesus gives correction. If protection is due, if you're, if you're the woman caught in adultery, you get protection. The God of love and justice and all the other things, he, Jesus knows that that's God, and he starts doing those things, right? Now, if you're uh, a son, and if you're a dude and you're listening to this, that's all of us, and maybe I don't know what your connection with your, your dad is, but I know that growing up with my son, Ryan, there was this, there was this checking in, you know, where sort of like he would look at me, and then, I mean, it, there was no communication. Maybe like one of those, maybe an eyebrow or a, you know, where he was both checking in to see how I was living and what I was doing as a measure for what he should be doing, right? And then he would do that. So he wouldn't just run ahead and do things, but he would check in with me. And when he didn't, he got in trouble. But you know how fathers and sons work, you know, it's kind of like a check-in. And that's what I see going on with here. There's a special, silent, powerful connect between father and son. And listen, Jesus, in your waiting time, when you, when you are thinking about your next actions, your next transition, the unfolding of the next chapter, Jesus is giving you access to his father so that you can check in with God the Father before you act on the next thing. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 25 to 27. Uh, it says this, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Listen, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Oh, man. How cool is that, that we get access to the father-son process. Jesus, if you're a believer, has revealed God to you. You enter into this process of watching God, checking in with God, dialoguing with God, seeing what God wants you to do, and then you get to do that. And there's this partnership, so that same animated partnership, that exchange of father and son, we have the spirit of sonship through Jesus. And we get to enter that same process. So guys, listen, when you're in a waiting period, just check in, be checking in, be talking, be asking in prayer, God, here's what I have and here's what I'm going to go do. What do you want me to do? Secondly, as God is revealing uh, what what his will is in scripture, do that while you're waiting for the next chapter to unfold, just like Jesus is. The son can do nothing by himself. That's our process now. He can only do what he sees the father doing. That's our process now. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And now, whatever the father does, whatever we see him doing and expressing and loving, and where his heart is breaking, um, we're gonna follow that model, all right? So Jesus waited dependently on God's modeling. That's the second thing we see him doing, all right? Now, let's transition. 
to how he's actively waiting right now. Third, Jesus is waiting purposefully for God's victory. Now, he's waiting now, why? Because there was a first coming, and I know where you guys are thinking, and you know there is a second coming, right? There's a first coming, that's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? And so Jesus came the first time to deal with sin, die on a cross, shed his blood as the eternal Lamb of God, which covers us and covers our sin and, and cleanses us from all sin. But there's a second coming, which hasn't happened yet. So Jesus is waiting for that moment. Even when he was on earth, he talked about how, okay, I'm here now to accomplish this purpose, but there's another moment coming. Uh, in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 to 63, it says this, he's with the high priest, and, and we roll the film right there. It says, again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. You don't think Jesus is looking forward to that moment right now when he can make all things right? When instead of being humiliated and crucified, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And on his thigh is written, faithful and true. And he comes with the angel armies of heaven. But in this moment, he has to wait. You see, God has a victory for you. And you may not see it in the moment. You may not feel it. But you know what? With Jesus, we can declare God's victory. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. God's got a plan. God's got a destination for you. It's not yet. You're waiting for that to unfold. But you need to, in faith, just say, God's got the victory. I'm going to see that victory. And while I wait, uh, I'm going to be purposeful. Now, here's why I said Jesus is waiting purposefully for God's victory. So what's he doing, right? First coming, second coming. How is Jesus occupying himself while he waits? Well, we read about that in Hebrews 7.25. It says this, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him, he lives forever, listen, to intercede with God on their behalf. So what is Jesus up to while he's waiting for the second coming to transact? He is saving people. He's saving men and women right now. It's purposeful, right? There's a good example for us. He's representing you and I before the Father, right? It says that he lives forever to intercede with God. So while he's waiting for that second coming, man, he's talking to God for us. He's interceding. He's our advocate with the Father, right? He's standing before God right now saying, hey, you know what? I see him. I see what he's doing. I see that what he needs. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's the Son, and he's advocating for us. He's praying for you. Jesus is praying for you right now. How can he do that? Because he's God and he's infinite. So he can handle an infinite number of people and he can handle an infinite number of requests and he's powerful. 
That means he's infinitely powerful to pull off what he wants to do in your life. And we need to connect with that. So Jesus is waiting purposefully for God's victory between first and second coming. He's advocating for us before the Father. Talks about this also in Romans 8, 34. It says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, listen, pleading for us. So, Jesus died for us. Jesus was raised for us. Jesus is now seated with God for us. That was his earthly purpose. And now, as followers of him, guess what? We've been crucified with Christ. We've been resurrected with Christ. We've been seated with Christ too. We're fully identified with him, which gives us a clue to how we wait for God's next chapter to unfold, right? We die to sin. Jesus died to sin. We're dead to sin. We die to sin. We're, he came alive. We're alive to God. We're alive to his purposes, right? And we're seated with God, the Bible says, in the heavenly realms, which means we have access and authority to take care of others in our lives. When we're dead to sin, alive to God, and we have access and authority to God, what's that for? Who does that bless? Is it just about us? No, it's for others. Because in the passage we read, Jesus died for us. He was raised to life for us. He's seated at the Father for us. You know, there's a for us mission in your weight that God wants to get done through you as you fully identify with Christ, as you die to sin, and as you die to sin, you bless others. As, as you're alive to God and alive to his purpose, and that blesses others. As you're seated and you have access to the Father and you enter into spaces with his authority to bring life and love and justice. Boy, Jesus is not sitting on his thumbs while he waits in the time between his first and second coming. No, not at all. He's our advocate and he's praying for us. Jesus was died for, he died for us, was raised with us. He's seated for us. That's our purpose. All right, fully identify with Christ and die to sin and be alive to God and with access and authority, seated with Christ, enter the lives of other people, okay? Next, presently, we see Jesus waiting intentionally, listen, for you and I to fulfill our mission. So there's his first coming, there's his ascension into heaven. He's waiting, right? He's waiting purposefully and working on our behalf in between first and second coming, but then he's intentionally waiting for us to fulfill our mission. We have a role on the team. If you're on the team, it's more meaningful when you're on the team to participate and share and contribute to the victory. Can I get an amen? When you're on a team and you're on the bench, that's the, the victory is kind of hollow because you didn't participate and, and contribute and share in the victory. But that's not it with Jesus and team Jesus. That's the one you and I are on. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, verses 12 and 13. He's talking to, to the disciples and he's talking to you and I right now. Just take it as a personal word from Jesus. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will 
do it. Do you see this? That before you die and before Jesus comes back, God's called you to the greater works and the greater things of Jesus before you die. Now, I don't know how old you are. Some of you are younger. Some of you are middle-aged. Some of you are older. But listen to me. Before you die, hear these words of Jesus. Anyone who believes, is that you? Will do greater works than these. Jesus is, is prophetically telling his guys, hey man, you're going to get to work. Before I come back, you got work to do. And it's awesome work for God and for my purposes. And therefore, use your access to ask me for stuff in that purpose, and I'll do it. You know what God's calling every single one of us to do? To enter into his purposes and ask for him to use us. Have you ever asked God, hey, use me today? Use me. Show me the greater works. And then show up to it. In Matthew chapter 24, if you're asking the question, well, wow, what are these greater works? Well, Jesus talks about what we're supposed to be doing between his first coming and his second coming. In Matthew 24, verse 14, it says this, and the good news, Jesus speaking prophetically, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, listen, and then the end shall come. So in between first and second coming, there is this mission that we as his followers are called into to fulfill that every man, every woman, every child, every living person, and every people group, and every place on planet earth were to be about hastening the return of Jesus by letting them know the good news, the good news that that God loves them and has a plan for them. The good news that even though they're broken and imperfect, Christ died for them and now they can be perfect like God's imperfect. All they have to do is put their faith in his person as God and in his work on the cross and believe that that was done for them and, in, and accept that person and work into their lives. Then the end comes. So let me ask you a question. Are you up to that? You know, if we were saying, gosh, heaven's going to be better than earth and we want, we want to speed up Jesus's return, um, we got to be about that work. And can I just say, on the gospel clock, we're pretty close. But you know what? He's not going to come back until we finish our mission. You know, we read about, about this in Matthew 28. Um, this is also part of the greater works of Jesus. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge right, to his guys. He gave a charge to his guys. All right. God authorized and commanded me to commission to you, commission you, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So you see how Jesus is commissioning his people, his men, you and I, to fulfill your mission. There is a mission on earth. You are alive right now in the location on planet earth that you are in right now, in the workplace and in the community and in the neighborhood that you are right now to fulfill your mission. You are on mission. You came from God, you're here on mission, you go back to God. 
Jesus came from God. He fulfilled his mission. Read John 17. He went back to God. That is us. Jesus lives in us. And this is what Jesus declares. So Jesus is waiting for us to do our job. Isn't it awesome that when, when his second coming happens or we go to him, man, we get to rejoice because we are a contributing, participating member of the team. Lastly, Jesus is waiting presently and he's waiting hopefully for men to come to their senses. Now, this is a real personal thing. So far, we've just seen how he waited for his moment on earth and then how he's waiting in the in-between of first and second coming. But what's the personal aspect connected to his waiting? Well, he's waiting for men to come to their senses and choose him. You know, there's three kinds of men. There's lost people and they need to be saved, right? Then there's believers and as believers, we need to be transformed. And then there's this group called prodigals. And God has a special place for the prodigal, in his heart for the prodigal. And they need to come home. They need to come to their senses. Lost people need to come to their senses. Believers, you and I, we need to come to our senses. Men who have wandered away um, in pride and self-sufficiency or just in fear, they need to come home to the Father. And I know that I'm speaking to several men right now. You're watching me and you're a prodigal. And you know what God is saying to you? He's saying, come to your senses. Come, come back. There's nothing to fear. If you take one step toward me, I'm gonna sprint to you. We read about that in Luke chapter 15. Now just, just think about being this person just for a second. If you're listening to me, just think about being this person who is a prodigal. And Jesus tells the story. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. Mm. There's how the son thought about himself and then there's how the father thinks about the son. And the son's self-perception was miles away from the reality of the father's perception. And I know that I'm speaking to many of you right now. You feel far away from God because you've chosen to go your own independent way. You've chosen your own path outside of God. And like this young man who Jesus talks about, because he knew there would be days like this, he says, when he finally came to his senses, 
The son stubbornly took his inheritance. The son stubbornly went and spent it all on himself, did his own plan. The son stubbornly stayed and ate the things that the pigs ate until he came to his senses. The Holy Spirit right now is causing men right now listening to this podcast to come to their senses. You, you know that your plan isn't working. You know because of the destruction and the wake of pain that is in there for yourself and people connected to you. And now you're coming to your senses and God is wooing you back. And I just want you to know that your perception of yourself is not God's perception of yourself. In fact, you take one step toward God right now, God is going to sprint to you filled with love and compassion. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it continues in this theme. It says this, God isn't late with his promise, as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. There are several men listening to me right now. God has allowed you your space and time right now. To do what? To change. He's waited on you. You've heard his voice. He's ready to receive you. God is holding back judgment of the entire world because he's concerned for his prodigals. He's concerned for people who don't know him. He's concerned for believers who've yet to transform. And he's holding this back so that you can experience reconciliation with God peace with God, the power of God, the victory of God, because you don't want him to let the end come right now. You want to meet him and him to meet you and for there to be joy and no regrets. You see, God has a heart for you. Talks about this in 2 Timothy 2 as well. It says, God's servant must not be argumentative but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. There's the theme. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. And there are some guys that are listening right now. That is you right now. God is sobering you up. He's giving you a spiritual cup of coffee during these last several minutes. And your heart right now, you can feel it beating inside and it is changing. There's something that is happening and you are now turning from the lie. You're turning to the truth of God, that God has made you Right? That you're made by God. You're turning to the truth that you're made for God. You're, you're turning to the truth that one day you'll go back to God, but between now and then, you're going to come back to Jesus. You're going to live out your identity. You're going to say yes to Christ today. It's amazing God's heart. Waiting for men to come to their senses. So Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for that. He's waiting for you to fulfill your mission. 
He's praying for you right now as he waits, advocating for you before his second coming. And he's living confidently in God. And, and we see in Jesus the best example of how to resolve to wait on God. You see, here's the headline for us now that we've seen how Jesus resolves to wait on earth and as he's waiting in heaven. The man of God, write this down, resolves to wait like the son of God, confidently, dependently, purposefully, intentionally, and hopefully for God's purposes and for the sake of other people. So, hey, I get it. You want the next thing to happen and God's in control and your supply is there. The shepherd is with you and you can rest because when he wants it to happen, nothing can stop it. In between now and when that happens, right? this is how we're called to live, like Jesus, determined to wait well on God. Now, how do I know that? In the Bible, it tells us that that's what God is up to in our lives. He's making us like the man we just read about. It says this in Romans 8, 29, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning in saving you and me. He decided from the outset, listen, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in line of humanity, he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So what we just studied, this is the life we're called to live in between our desires and the fulfillment of those desires, between things happening, not happening, and things happening, between the wait and the transition. This is how God is calling us to live, and we need to come to our senses. And so now I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you. There are some of you right now, today you're going to cross the line and you're going to give your life to Christ because you've come to your senses. There's other people who are believers, and instead of just being affiliated to Jesus, you've come to your senses. You're like, I need to get activated, right? And then there's some of you, and your perception of yourself is not God's perception. You don't believe in yourself, but God believes in you, and he's calling you back, and you need to take that first step. Come to your senses, come back toward him, and change your mind and turn to the truth who is Jesus. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for um, your heart I love your heart as our shepherd, Lord, and we acknowledge you as our shepherd, and we are your sheep. Thank you that while we're waiting for the next chapter to unfold, we can draw close to you, and God, you're at work kind of helping prepare things to get us to stop, and you're making us lie down, and while we wait and we lie down and we stop moving, um, you don't stop working because we stop moving or something isn't moving forward. You're at work and you're with us, you're guiding us, you're refreshing us, Lord, you're protecting us, you're satisfying us, you're, you're, you're filling us up, God. And Jesus, thank you for your example, Lord, of waiting confidently. God, I know there's men who need more confidence right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now and declare confidence into the chest of the men listening right now. They're confident in you and your presence right now. And they're saying yes inside and yes out loud, wherever they are. God, they're gonna depend on you. They're gonna check in. They're gonna lock eyes with you and they're gonna check in with you before they move. 
They're gonna see what you model and they're gonna do that. They're gonna get your green light just like Jesus did. God, we are gonna wait purposefully. God, while other things are unfolding outside our control, we're gonna be like Jesus in the lives of other people. And we're gonna advocate for people and we're gonna love people because we are resting in you. You've got the future. And then Lord, today we declare a coming to the senses. Lord, for every man right now listening to my voice, we say yes. I say yes together. I say I need you together with my brothers. I say, Jesus, I believe in your person, your God, you're the anointed one, you're the Messiah of Isaiah 61. You're the one who sets men free. You're the king. And I also believe in your work for me, your death on the cross. Now fill me with your presence and with your life and with your power. And then God, help me to wait for the next chapter to unfold well. Help me to wait just like you, Jesus. And all God's men said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.